And I was going to come this week then and shift and talk about um, what's known as your oikos. How many of you have ever heard of the term oikos? A few of you. What's, what was that, Brett? <laughs> oikos. Oikos. Say, say it with me. One, two, three. Oikos. What that means is, is it means your household or, if you will, your sphere of influence. And if you will, we are a part of the oikos of God. We're a part of the household of God. Can you say amen? But in context of being a part of the household of God, we ourselves have a household. Now, I'm not just talking about your immediate family. I'm talking about your immediate family, your friends, all the people you interact with, that they're in your sphere of influence. They are the ones that God has given you to be an influence to. Now, I was going to talk about that a little more in depth today. We'll, we'll pick up there next week, but I wanted to give you an idea that all that we're talking about with regard to being, being the vessel, to be the vessel, it, it's got to have purpose tied to it. And so I wanted to dig a little bit deeper today to talk about how, how we become that vessel. How is it that we become the vessel of God? Now, I want to read our scripture uh, for this series out of 2 Corinthians 4, 7, and it says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, say vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. And what that's referring to is that we have an earthen vessel. This physical body is meant to store the power of God. It's not something of ourselves, but it's what God is doing in us and through us that makes an impact for the kingdom of God in this earth. Amen? And so uh, with that, um, I wanted to actually take a look uh, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 18, 1 through 6, if you want to go there, don't put that on the screen yet, guys, but uh, if you want to go in your own Bibles or your apps, you can, it'll be on the screen, and it's in your handout. But write this in your notes there for point A, we will never perceive the will of God until we accept the will of God. We will never perceive the will of God for our life to be the vessel, the will of God for our life. We will never perceive that until we accept the will of God. And when I say the will there, we got to jump into Jeremiah 18, 1 through 6, and it gives us some perspective. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Now we know the house of Israel was the people of God. And so we can insert ourselves there and say that we are clay in the potter's hands. We have this treasure, this power of God in an earthen vessel that has been formed, that was made by God. If we, if, if we even look at Jeremiah the prophet, whom God sends down to the potter's house, we could go all, uh, back at the beginning of Jeremiah's ministry and we can know that God said to him, what? He said, uh, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you a prophet 
to the nation of Israel? No, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Now, let me say that, that that passage of Scripture is establishing that we from our mother's womb, God already knows us, and even though we're knit and you know, we're wonderfully and fearfully made in the womb of our mother, it is God's design at work within the womb of a woman. Making that baby, it is God's work, if you will, that power that's working. It's a miracle. Anybody that's ever seen, uh, you know, I know watching my wife and, 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 and seeing as she would, you know, swell with all that growth, all the knitting and the fearfully and wonderfully making that God's doing on the inside of her uh, is, is filling her as a vessel up to bring forth life that God gives. Amen. And so all this that's going on, God said he knew him, and before he was formed in his mother's womb, he ordained him. We have purpose. Say, I have purpose. We have purpose before we're ever made into a vessel. Huh. But interesting enough, there's something about, uh, there's something about the nature of sin that we're born into. Uh, you know, Adam in the garden subjects all mankind. We are born into futility. We're born into sin. But Christ, the second Adam, gives us an opportunity, right, to come out of sin. So, so in a sense, the potter who made us, the, we're fearfully and wonderfully made and we're made for purpose. Sin mars us. It's, it, in a sense, it's not like we're not gods all of a sudden because we're, we're born into sin. No, we're still gods, but we're born into this nature that causes us to be unwilling to yield to the potter's hand. Anybody ever watched somebody make uh, a vessel on, on a potter's wheel? If you've ever done that, raise your hand. Okay, a number of you have seen it. Anybody ever seen as the potter is, is making that, that vessel, in a sense, the clay, you know, as he, and now, of course, the technique, look, God's technique is perfect. Let's just go ahead and get that out on the table. But the clay itself, you know, the amount of water, you know, the, the, the Bible gives reference to the washing of the water, that the word is the water, isn't that right? And do you know that, that the reason they have to use the water, right? They've got to use that water. And it's because uh, the air around it, right, there's a drying out aspect that goes on with the clay, which causes the clay to become tacky and to stick. And, they, and they'll, they'll dip their hands in water and keep putting their hands in and dip their hands in water. And they keep, you know, the, the, the back and forth of that. So it does have to dry out enough to form, but the outside of it, so there has to be that, that smoothness and that ability to interact with the clay. It's important to have the Word and, and the Spirit in our life. We need the Word of God in our life and we need the Spirit of God in our life for us to be formed into the vessel that God wants us to be. Now, what I want to do is dig a little bit deeper on this and look at some of the things that we see in this passage. To be the vessel God desires. To be the vessel God desires we need to recognize a few things. We need to recognize, number one, he is making something special of you. The singular term there, rather than us, is for you to, to know that God is making something special of you. He's making you into a vessel. He wants to make you into a vessel of honor. In his kingdom. He's making something special of you. Verse 3. Then I went down to the potter's house. And there he was making something at the wheel. 
God is always, always forming vessels of clay into vessels of honor if we'll yield to his hand. The second thing is we need to recognize the marred moments of our life are not final. The marred moments of our life are not final. Verse 4 says, And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Um, So first and foremost, God is making something special of you as a vessel. But there are going to be moments in your life where, where you feel like, you know, I mean, anybody ever rebelled against God in here? Anybody ever not want to do what God wants you to do? Anybody ever find out those moments tend to yield, you know, the worst things in life? In other words, we have these marred moments in our life, but the reality is, is that God's not done with us. Now, now here's the thing about the marred moments. Here, they're complicated, they're hard, they're difficult, they're crushing in a sense, amen? You go through these tough times, it's, it, it, we feel crushed, right? And in a sense, if you've ever watched a potter, here's kind of how it works. And, and it, it, God doesn't necessarily get frustrated with us, right? But, but to picture the potter, he's going along and he's working that clay and all of a sudden the clay, for whatever reason, that the, the speed of the wheel, you know, that it's not, you know, wet enough for it to, to slide under the hand of the potter, whatever the situation may be, and all of a sudden you'll see that thing start to whip out of, out of balance. There's nothing worse than being a piece of clay out of balance on the wheel. When we get out of balance in life, we don't have the right balance, we don't have rest, we don't have the right interaction. It's, that's part of why we gather, uh, we come to the church, forsake not the gathering together the the brethren, right? We come together to be an encouragement to one another, to challenge one another, to pray for one another. Those things are very important in our life. Why? Because without them, we start to get out of balance. And a piece of clay on the wheel out of balance will, will always end up marred. And here's kind of what the potter will do. When that, when that piece of clay kind of gets out of balance and, and it won't yield to the potter's hand, then all of a sudden the potter will do what? He basically will go, and make it a pile again. You ever felt like you went back to being just a pile of clay? Crushed moment of your life. But the cool thing is, is all of a sudden when the potter gets that, he'll slap a little bit of water on it. You know, he'll get it going. And then he'll put his hands back in there and begin to form it into another vessel. He makes you another vessel. Oh, 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 let's do it this way. Um, beholding Christ Jesus, Right? Old things have passed and all things have become what? New. See, in Christ, we're meant to be made into a new vessel. And that's exactly what the potter does. And he starts to form us and make us into a vessel of, of honor for his kingdom. The third thing is recognize yielding to the hand of God molds us for purpose. That yielding to the hand of God molds us for purpose. Verse 5 to 6. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Let me ask you today, are you in the hands of the potter? 
Are you in the hands of God where your life is concerned? Are you yielding to him in the areas that the scripture, in other words, that, that water of the word, that you get in the word and what you find out is it's like, you know, um, it's asking you to live your life this way. You know, last week I kind of referred to the fact of that, you know, when we become a vessel of God, what happens is, is that, you know, the vessel of God doesn't contain anger. Certainly not an anger that's vengeful. Certainly, you know, maybe a righteous indignation about things, but righteous indignation will always yield proper response, not wrong reactions. That what happens is, is that God's word has a way of making us moist enough that we're pliable to the things he wants us to do, even though it may not, may not make sense to us. The thing is, is we're okay to yield to him and he's able to, to form us and he's able to work us into the vessel that we're meant to be to share his power, his kingdom, his glory, his love, his mercy, his grace, all of those things that you hear me pray on a constant basis. The reason why I do is it's the central theme of the gospel. It's what Jesus came to provide for us, to provide for the world. So it's what we should contain in these vessels if we want to honor him is we need to contain the gospel in these vessels. But to contain the gospel, we need to be formed the way that the potter wants us to be formed. We need to be the vessel that he wants to make us into. Amen. And so uh, to do that, recognizing that the hand of God molds us for purpose, it's not, for, it's not without reason. It's not without cause. It's not without purpose. God has a purpose for us. So uh, when we go on the wheel, right, when we go on the wheel, we go on one way and we come off another. We go on the wheel one way and we come off the wheel another. When a potter puts a piece of clay on the wheel, it goes on one way but it comes off another. You know, I've watched a number of videos that I, I've actually talked to Angie now that the kids are grown and, you know, um, they're kind of doing their thing. You, you end up with a little bit more time in your life and, and not that I have a whole lot more, but I've got more time and I'm thinking, what do I want to do with that time? You know, I'm thinking, okay, uh, I'd like to go on and maybe get my master's degree and do something. And then I thought, you know, I, I'd like to actually go and learn how to do potter. I'd like to learn how to work with clay on a wheel, you know. There's just something about that that seems to be it would be uh, a peaceful work. Now, maybe I could be wrong. I thought playing golf at one point in my life would be a peaceful thing to go do. And I found out, you know, about hole four, I hit hole four and I'm off in the the rough all the time and I'm like, by hole four, I'm thinking, you know, that kind of swings close enough to the clubhouse to get out of here. You know, I'd play golf with somebody, and we're out there, and it's like, hey, let's go do 18. I'm like, that definitely is not going to relax me. So I, who knows, I could get into trying to do pottery and, and get out there, and, and, and all I would be doing is beating on the clay because I just don't have the technique or whatever. <laughs> just know that God, God is not a potter that beats on the clay. <laughs> he might bring you back to, you know, remember, um, God resists the, the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so there's an element of, of, you know, pride. I want to do life my way. And, and sometimes I find that I'm in tension with God of wanting to yield to his way. And the reality in those moments, um, you know, that's where he resists the pride in me. And in a sense, there will be that, 
you know, reform. Okay, let's work this again because this is the vessel I'm trying to make you into. And you're wanting to resist that. So let's bring you back down to this to, to form you into what I actually have planned for you to be. Amen? Now, now, an idea of that when we think about it, we go on the wheel one way and we come off another. Let's think about it this way. Last week I referred to the apostles. You know, well, uh, Peter and John, they went to the, the gate beautiful. Do you remember? And, and, and the vessels, what we contain, we contain the anointing and the power of God and, and the word of God, right? And uh, he says to the beggar, uh, the lame beggar, uh, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. That vessel, Peter as a vessel, uh, was an earthen vessel that held the treasure of the power of God that he could say to that lame man, such as I have give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ and Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And of course, you know, we know the lame man's uh, strength recovered in his legs and he goes dancing into the temple and everybody's astounded. But uh, as you read on in that story, uh, you see that the Pharisees and Sadducees are a little worked up that they uh, prayed for this man in the name of Jesus and he was healed and they did not want, they just crucified Jesus. You all understand that, right? (laughs) And they're thinking, uh, these are not the vessels we want you to be for Israel. But see, these men, as a fisherman, as tax collectors, uh, Luke was a physician. We know later on, Paul, he was a Pharisee. But for, for, that, for Peter and John on that day, they heal this man in the name of Jesus. And they're in the temple, and everybody's astounded by it, and there's all kind of an uproar about it. And the Pharisees and Sadducees are like, look, we just crucified this Jesus. We don't want his disciples walking around and praying for people in the name of Jesus, and then they get healed. Now, the challenge was is they couldn't resist him because of the miracle that was performed. Isn't that just the way God is? Vessels of honor. It's like, you know, the, 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 the Pharisees and Sadducees, although they didn't want that to be done, could not dishonor what God had set up for honor because of the miracle that was performed. They couldn't resist what God was doing through those vessels. Now, here's the interesting thing. They draw them in, and they begin, And remember, this is in, in Acts chapter 4. They draw them in, and they begin to talk to them. And as they do, they're around all the other people, and they couldn't say much about it because it, it's like, look, this miracle is undeniable that God healed this lame man. We've been walking... All of us have been walking to the temple every day, seeing this guy sitting at the, at the gate beautiful and begging for alms, begging for, for help, and, and now he's been healed at the name of Jesus Christ. So in a sense, among the, all the, the people, the Pharisees didn't say anything else. They couldn't resist it. They couldn't resist. They couldn't dishonor what God had set up for honor. But then they privately bring them in, and then they say, we forbid you to preach in the name of Jesus. We forbid you to use this name, Jesus. <laughs> and what are these vessels, these, these scared men who ran on the day that Jesus was crucified? They ran away because they were scared. It was the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees and Sadducees, the, the teachers of the law who had gathered and crucified Jesus, and these men ran And now they themselves are sitting in front of this same Sanhedrin that judged Jesus and put him to the cross. They are no longer the same vessels. The way they went on was different than the way they came off the wheel of God. 
they came off that wheel. And you understand the, 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 the in a sense, the um, strengthening, the hardening of that vessel is done in fire. They've been, right, put through the fire of their faith. And they emerged a very different vessel, a very different form than what they had gone on the wheel of God with or as. And in that moment, they say to him, whether it's right to obey you, man, or God, we'll obey God. (laughs) Now, this is the point where they leave him and they go back, right? And they tell all the other disciples and they begin to pray. And what happens? They begin to pray and the Bible says, and they cried out to God. And they were filled. Listen to this in Acts 4, 27 through 31. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, what is it that we're filled with? What did we establish that the, the widow poured into the vessels that the prophet said, go and get as many vessels as you can and begin to pour. As long as you have vessels, the oil, the anointing will keep flowing. So Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand, what is it? Whatever your hand, God's hand, on the clay, forming it into the shape, into the vessel he wants it to be. And watch this, to your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, before you were formed into the vessel you were meant to be, there was purpose for it. Determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, um, my thing is, is the book of Acts is filled with time and again People who begin to pray and the Holy Spirit would come. People would be filled. What was God doing? Look, through the teaching of the apostles, remember in Acts 2, it says, and and they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. Right? Gathering from house to house, the breaking of bread, prayer, right? So what was going on there? Vessels are continuing to be formed by God through the teaching of his word. And as they are, they're being filled with the anointing. They're being filled with the Spirit of God to do what? To keep pouring into other vessels that are being formed through the preaching of God's Word. Amen? People are going on the wheel one way, and they're coming off the other. Paul the Apostle happened to be one of those that has an encounter with Jesus. Now, his encounter did not uh, lend him to be ready to go immediately. Anybody realize that? And it's like, he encounters Jesus because he's going to basically destroy a bunch of God's vessels. He's going to kill and murder uh, Christians. And on the road to Damascus, what happens is he has this encounter with Jesus. And and that encounter, and this is the thing, Jesus is light. And let me say, it's nuclear. (laughs) Jesus' power uh, has a way of, of searing flesh. How do I know that? Because the Bible says that that Jesus appeared to him, and, and Jesus is in all his glory. A bright light appeared, and the next thing you know, he's blind. 
right? And, he, and, and, and without actually seeing him, he goes, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, who you persecute. Paul, look, the pile of clay that you are, I'm resisting your pride. But if you humble yourself and watch the humble part of Paul's life, he, he's blinded. And he cries out what? He cries out, Lord. Can anybody tell me what the term Lord means? That means you are over me. Paul's immediately in a humbled state. Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Now go find, you know, uh, one of the other disciples. Um, go find, uh, it was uh, Ananias. You go find him, and he's going to pray for you, and he's going to tell you what you need to do from here. Now, I've just paraphrased a lot. And he does exactly that, and he finds a, a vessel called Ananias. He's been formed by God, who the word of God is in. And what happens is, is Ananias knows that he's coming, and God says, hey, uh, Saul's coming to you, and I want you to meet with him. And he's like, wait, isn't that the guy that's killing all the Christians? <laughs> Why would I want to meet with him? Because I'm telling you to. Because you're my vessel, and you're meant to honor my kingdom, and what's going to come from this is going to be far greater than if Paul never encountered me or, or encounters you so that he can know what to do next. And sure enough, you know, Paul's obedient to do exactly what Jesus told him to do, and Ananias is obedient to do exactly what he's told to do. And as a result of that, if you will, it was Saul then, and Saul all of a sudden becomes Paul. And he gave us more than two-thirds of the New Testament. You know, church after church after church, life after life after life is changed because Paul went on the wheel of God one way and came off another. Amen? The same with the disciples. What you had, again, is a fisherman that all of a sudden becomes one of the greatest preachers the church has ever known, named Peter. His name, if you will, he's... He's, he's moved from being this, as he said to Jesus when he reappears to when he comes to him and he's on his boat and they catch all the fish that one time. Uh, Peter says, depart from me because I'm a, I'm a vile man. You understand that what God did is he took that vile fisherman and he turned him into a great preacher who on the day of Pentecost, the first message to ever be uh, preached, uh, the first uh, day of the church being birthed, Peter, that little rock that Jesus said he would make him. Thou art Petros. And upon this rock, the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, because that's what Peter said to him. It wasn't that, you know, the Catholic church says Peter was the rock. No, no, no. Jesus is the rock. Peter is a, Petros is a small rock. And when Jesus said, and upon this rock, I'll build my church. It wasn't saying that upon you, Peter, I'll build my church. No, what it was saying is upon the massive revelation that I am the Christ, the son of the living God, I will build my church. And Jesus said he would build his church and the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against it. The way that that happens is vessels who yield to the hand of the potter being molded into the vessel they're meant to be to house the presence and the power and the word of God to share with others, amen? Hmm. To mold a vessel requires both internal and external influence. Internal and external influence. Think about it this way. Um, when the disciples are before the Sanhedrin, they're putting pressure on them. 
They're being pressured from the outside. Persecution has a way of bringing the best out of God's vessels. That outside pressure was causing a greater manifestation from within of the Holy Spirit. Think about it. The outside pressure that they were facing from the Sanhedrin put them to a place of going into prayer and crying out to God. And what happened was is the Holy Spirit came. It filled them back up and they went forth preaching the word of God with boldness. Basically, where people are pushing on them to cause them to fear to preach in the name of Jesus, that outside pressure pushing on them caused them to look to God and then the inside pressure of the Holy Spirit, the filling up, right? You know what it is to be filled up? You know that when you're filled up, there's a pressure. You, can't, you can only hold so much and then you got to give it out, see? That all that came into them, and then they went forth doing what? They went forth preaching the word of God with boldness. In other words, here's the deal. Jesus Christ was crucified, buried, and resurrected. He is the only way to the Father. You've got to come to the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. They, they go forth preaching those things, and not just preaching those things, but with signs, wonders, and miracles following. Amen? What they were filled up with was flowing out of them and producing New vessels for the kingdom of God. As I wrap up this morning, uh, let me just say this. That with regard to the clay, that we go on one way, we come off another. God takes a bunch of misfits and throwaways and makes them into vessels of honor. That's all we are. I was a misfit. I was a throwaway until God got a hold of me and put me on his wheel. And what he began to do is form me into a vessel of honor. That's what he's doing with you as well. Think about it this way. You give me a murderer like Moses, God says, I'll turn him into a liberator. You give me a dreamer like Joseph, and I'll turn him into a commander of Egypt. You give me a captive like Daniel, and I'll turn him into a prayer warrior. You give me a shepherd boy like David, I'll turn him into a king. A child like Jeremiah, I'll turn him into a prophet. A fisherman like Peter, I'll turn him into an apostle tax collector like Zacchaeus I'll turn him into a humble disciple a persecutor like Paul I'll turn him into a preacher a prostitute like Mary Magdalene I'll turn her into a faithful woman of God an adulterer like the woman at the well I'll turn her into an evangelist all the potter needs is a piece of clay and as it yields to his hands it'll become a vessel of honor all God needs from us He was a yielded spirit, a yielded heart to allow him to be the potter in our life and forming us into the vessel he wants us to be. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? Some of the things that go on in our life can cause us to feel like a pile of clay. But make no mistake about it, God is always desiring to turn us into a vessel, to hold his power, to experience his blessing. And to be, if you will, not, not someone that just keeps that to herself, but someone who shares that with another. Amen? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I want to ask you some hard questions today. What is it in your life that would cause you to be marred in the hand of the potter? What, what, what is it that you're not, it's like you're unwilling to yield that area of your life to God? Anger? malice vengeance 
Is it fear? Because none of those things look like our God. And we know he wants to form us in his own image. The Bible says actually that he's transforming and changing us into the very likeness and image of his son, Jesus Christ. What are those things? You know, and God knows better than anybody else in this room, what are the areas of your life as a vessel of God? Are you on the wheel of God? And if you are, will you come off another way? Will you come off different than you go on? What are those places that God needs to still form in you? If you got those pictures and you want to deal with them today and you want to yield to the hand of the potter and be the vessel of honor that he's called you to be, I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, right now in Jesus' name, God, when I think of all the examples that I just read about from David and Moses and Mary Magdalene and, and, and Peter and Paul, God, here we stand, your people. And Lord, there's areas of our life that need to be formed. There are the things that go on on the outside that are pressuring us, but Father, the, the need to be filled with your spirit so that it, it's pushing back against that and helping to form us. Lord, in the the exact vessel you want us to be for the purpose that you want to form us. I pray those areas, Father, that might mar us. I pray where there be anger, God, that, Father, there would be a manifestation of forgiveness for the people that have angered us. I pray, Lord, where there be, um, Lord, just a, a, a fear. I pray that, God, it would be replaced with faith, a trust in you that, Lord, no matter what we're facing, and Lord, it, it, it doesn't mar us because we yield to your hand to mold us. And Lord, above all things, I pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, we would look to your word and we would call upon your spirit that we might be the vessels of honor that you've called us to be. That, Lord, we would be those earthen vessels but formed in the very image of God to house power in the presence and the anointing of God that our lives are transformed that our minds are renewed that God our spirit is uh, Father built up that Lord we as believers are built up in our most holy faith because we look to you we call upon you and Father you show us through the example of your son that as we yield, Jesus himself, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And Lord, those outside pressures caused obedience and outside action. But Lord, it was because of the inner dwelling power. It was in him, Father, as a vessel that had the, the push and Father, the tension that caused him father to make an impact in this earth father like no other but lord it was your power working in him to will and to do for your good pleasure for us to be vessels of honor god we've got to be willing to yield be willing to be used for your good pleasure and that lord we wouldn't see it as something that 
that you're asking us, Lord, for something that, that Father, is, is more than we're capable of doing. But, Father, we would look to you to bless us and to empower us. And, Father, encourage us that, God, we would continue to be obedient so that, Lord, you can pour into us and get through us everything, Lord God, that you desire. God, let us be vessels of honor. Let us recognize, Lord, that when we yield to you, you bring the best out of us. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty and precious name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Hey, God bless you. Have a great week.